You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Matthew Frizzell. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. We have joining us, as he always has, every week that I've hosted this show, but for the final time, Mr. Dakota Wood from the Heritage Foundation. How are you this morning, sir? Doing all right. It's such a sad announcement. You know, I've been love uh, working with you guys. Yeah, uh, we've enjoyed it as well. You're moving on, I understand. So, uh, man, we're going to miss you. Yeah, well, you know, 10 years with the Heritage Foundation. So I think, you know, we did a lot of work, uh, good work over there. And uh, sometimes you just need kind of a change of course. And so I'll do some independent consulting in the national security realm. And it's going to be an exciting, you know, next chapter. So, uh, but it's a, a good decade behind. Well, I did a little digging in the world on the streets is that, they got rid of you because you like Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. I want all the listeners to know. I'm just joking. <laughs> Cracks me up. I always oh, appreciate, hi, my I appreciate your sense of humor. So it's been fun Absolutely. chatting with you. Well, let's dive in. I want, I couldn't wait to get your thoughts on the Supreme Court. They have agreed to take up yeah. the Donald Trump um, presidential immunity case. So what, what do you know about that? Well, I mean, they, they try to select cases uh, that really are at the federal overarching level, you know, where a, a federal judge, let's say, in a, you know, in one jurisdiction rules one way and somebody uh, in another jurisdiction rules, you know, uh, a different way. And then they have to reconcile those. You know, how does how does the U.S. Constitution apply to whatever the issue is? You talk about various rights and authorities. <clears throat> so this presidential immunity case, uh, they decided to take. Uh, to really clarify uh, what is the position of a U.S. president or former president, you know, as they're coming into office, in office, and then starting to exit the office, uh, how does the law treat them, you know? Uh, and there's a lot of privilege given to a president and their staff because deliberations have to go on in secret. There's a lot of working documents, you know, they're just things that, that have a, a level of sensitivity that can't be out in the public domain all the time. And so, uh, you know, clearly we've got a fractious political environment. Uh, anybody who didn't like what any president was doing, you know, could they sue them for abrogation of responsibilities or whatever that is. And so in this particular case, the Trump camp has maintained that by virtue of him being president, he cannot be charged with any you know, wrongdoing, like with this, you know, documents case or, uh, you know, was he facilitating an insurrection on January 6th, you know, anything along those lines. And so the Supreme Court has said, okay, we're, we're going to look into this. You know, how should the law treat uh, a sitting president and is he immune from everything? And so that really has huge consequences, uh, not just for Trump, but for any other president, you know, that would come uh, after him. So that's, the matter that they're going to handle, it is postponed. Uh, one of the court cases dealing with the January 6th uh, prosecution until this issue is resolved. Um, I think Trump would probably have preferred that it happened much later in the campaign season, just because of how the clock and the calendar runs. You know, that, that if he ends up winning in November, well, now he's, you know, the uh, president-elect and would have additional you know, immunity is possible with that. So well, it's going to be obviously very closely watched, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this because, like, I was just thinking about this, and I'm a common-sense brother. Like, I, I get that you can't prosecute the president for every little thing because the president's mm -hmm. making decisions that's way above our pay grade, things we don't think about, right, things that we don't know about that affect a lot of people. 
um, the president can make a decision to declare that people are killed. You know, but yet at the same time, yeah. the president can't pull out a gun and just shoot his neighbor just because he was infringing on his lawn. You know, I mean, you you right, can't be right. you can't be immune from that. So, where wh- at what point in time does common sense play a part, or do we have to have this litigated in court like that? You know what I mean? Well, it appears we have to have it litigated in court. Uh, but but you know, to illustrate the points that you just made, uh, the Supreme Court has heard uh, testimony on bump stocks. Right. Uh, so, you know, this is a particular stock that you could uh, attach to an AR-15 uh, rifle and you pull the trigger and the recoil of the rifle. You know, it's going to push it back into your shoulder and then bounce back up. And this stock fixture uh, would allow that trigger reset to occur very quickly. And so it's almost the same thing as having an automatic weapon, a machine gun, right? So why am I bringing this up? Well, I think what Sotomayor had said, look, I understand that when this 1930s law was passed about regulating machine guns, that that is all based on what can you do with one pull of the trigger? Uh, so you have the shooter with their finger on the trigger, and the stock is kind of replicating that. She goes, I get that, but doesn't common sense, you know, enter this discussion as well? And now, you know, how do you define common sense? So her point being, though, if the stock is effectively getting the same outcome in very rapid firing, you know, in practical terms, isn't that the same thing, which is holding down the trigger once and having internal mechanisms, you know, with a sear and all that? you know, replicating machine guns. So this common sense piece applied to law, as you look at who passed legislation and, and how does it apply, um, it goes to the very point that you're making, right? So, you know, Trump has said, oh, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, right? And because of presidential unit getting away with that, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek comment, yeah. but you really can't do that, you know? And so it's going to be a heated discussion uh, amongst the justices, uh, you know, lawyers or barristers for both sides making their case. And, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, you've got the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, the historical context of when a rule or a law was created. And then just listen, well, how does a common person look at this, you know, and how do you apply that? And there's yeah. no easy answer to that. Okay. So another thought that I had was this, like Trump is facing these, cases because he was president if he wasn't president Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be there so it's not like these are just crimes that he committed like you know i think it's different joe biden should allegedly is shown to be crooked with his family stuff that stuff he Mm -hmm. did before he's president all these things are while trump was president he made decisions he did things that seems different to me and it should seems like it should be immune you know, well, I, I agree with you on it's different because look at the, the New York case about his businesses, right? Yeah. That, uh, you know, the attorney general came, got elected because she was going to carry the, you know, this case against Donald Trump. So said it many very times. Get-go, she said it many yeah, times. You, you know, in the crosshairs, right? Uh, where do you have a crime where there is no victim? Right. So the yeah. lending institutions, the bank said, we knew what was going on. We had no problem accepting whatever the valuation was of his companies and giving him the money. I mean, they're all smart people. You know, they're not going to take a bad deal. Right. And right. they made money off of it. So there was absolutely no victim. And yet the state pursued Trump because he was Trump, you know, and levied this massive fine and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with that. So, you know, talk about a, a miscarriage of justice, right? Where you're using 
legal maneuvers to intentionally go after a specific person just because you don't like them. And um, so how does that relate to presidential immunity? You know, could we say that he's being pursued just because he was Donald Trump? Absolutely. But then you go to these finer points of the law. What does the law actually say about the extent to which a president has immunity by virtue of being president? as opposed to being an individual. And that's why the Supreme Court has taken this case, not because it's Trump or not, but what does the law say about immunity for a sitting president? So, you know, what does this overall mean for Trump now that the Supreme Court has decided to take this case? His support base is going to grow. <laughs> well. I mean, you know, people see what they view as you know, miscarriages, right? Or, or is, you know, is uh, weaponizing U.S. agencies or or tools, whether it's the IRS, right, or uh, you know federal loans to farmers or whatever you want to talk about it, uh, when it seems like an injustice is being done, those who say, "Hey, you know, I could be in the crosshairs as well," right, right, and uh, you know this left wing liberal assault on a single guy because they don't like who he is or whatnot. Well, that kind of reflects me, you know? And so Trump's support base gets all that much more fervent uh, in in viewing him as a symbol, right? As a representation of a federal government that is completely whacked out, out of control. And so I think regardless of how the Supreme Court rules, you know, if he is immune, there'll be cheers of joy from you know the Trump camp, right? Yeah. Uh, if he's held not immune, um, then it's going to be, uh, you know, it's a pursuit right now continuing and the Supreme Court is aligned with the progressive side and all that. And they'll think that, you know, they'll look at him as a martyr and, uh, and it'll just increase the support base. So I think there's really not a loss in the sense of support for Trump, uh, but there are implications for future presidents and how they conduct business and you know, what they can be held to account. Well, so let's look at the timeline. And, you know, so if the Supreme Court, they're going to take this up, what what is it, in April or May? Um, and then they're done in June, aren't they? And so, mm-hmm. I mean, they if they give a decision before that, you know, um, they might, they may not. And then so now we're getting into if Trump gets elected, he could pretty much pardon himself and all this will go away anyway, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and, and so that's the fear of people um, um, getting this too close to the actual election. So the Supreme Court, you know, you're talking about common sense. They know that calendar as well, and they are very aware of the implications of what their rulings will have. You know, look at the rollback of Roe v. Wade and some others, right? So, uh, you know, they're also sharp. They've got, you know, staffers that help them out, and, uh, and they're going to rule on this, I think, as fairly as quickly as they can. Probably early April uh, would be my guess. You know, they're hearing the arguments and then the staffers go through all the books and precedents and, and whatnot, you know, in law and then issue a ruling so that the whole political system can continue to march. And, uh, you know, Trump's camp wants to run out the clock per what you just said, you know, try to get to the election, cross the finish line. And then, you know, the guy is somehow or other in position to, um, uh, you know, to hold himself unaccountable, right? Uh, if there was some kind of prosecution against him. So you give yourself an immunity side. But I think the Supreme Court will work sooner than later. Well, Dakota, uh, man, thank you for being with us for these, um, the time that you have for me about the last seven months, a couple of years here on Wake Up Springfield. And um, man, we wish you all the best. Now we are going to have taking your place, I understand, is Victoria Coates. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I, that's what I have heard. Uh, she's the vice president for our national security and foreign policy uh, department uh, there at the Heritage Foundation. So you should find a lot of fun with that. She's got a lot of experience, and you know, we all just roll forward. So yeah. it'd be good stuff. Now, I understand she was the former national security advisor for President Trump, so I'm saying she's Team Trump and you're Team Christie. I guess you guys don't get along, do you? <laughs> oh, man. Her, her husband is a trained uh, uh, chef, I believe. So you might be talking a lot about uh, food and recipes and baked goods. I don't know. That's fun. <laughs> Dakota, thank you for um, being with us, and thank you for your time. And, hey, good Thanks luck so in the much. future, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Bye. There it is. Signing off for the last time, Mr. Dakota miss Wood. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. We've had a lot of fun with him. He's got a great sense of humor. And obviously, as knowledgeable as they come, smart guy that yes, I mean, we talk to. But um, so yeah, hey, I guess we have on the on the line, Mr. Philip um, Control. He's running for lieutenant governor. We'll get with him right after this local news update. Stick around. Wake up. Straight.